Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Welcome to ID Podcast. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you are having a great December as we come into December here and you're not freezing your butt (laughs) off wherever you are. Hopefully not. Yeah. Although I know there was a couple uh, snow days this past week. Yeah. My great uncle (laughs) lives in Vermont and just sent me a picture of like... I think he called it like a winter wonderland, but it was white <laughs> and gray. And I have to say, I do not envy him, but uh, I guess you dress for the occasion and, yeah, and totally. it's all good. But we are coming to you. I don't want to rub it in or anything, but from warm and sunny Costa Rica here. And we are happy to have you listening. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening, sharing the podcast with your friends and family. We talked about our what was it like a, f- a few weeks ago? Our uh, November our, subscriber drive. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you that's called it. I, I named it on the fly. But if all of you guys just tell one friend, family member, your spouse, your partner, have them subscribe and listen. 
we're going to make the world a better place, right? Everyone's going to be able to have these tools to navigate the relationships in their lives a little bit better. And today's episode is no different where we welcome and we have a new topic that we have never discussed and that is uh, ADHD in the relationship. So whether you yourself have it or your partner, um, and even if neither of those apply to you, you're going to find a lot of value in conflict resolution and communication tools that we talk about today with Melissa Orlov. And Melissa is a marriage consultant who specializes in working with couples impacted by adult ADHD. She is the author of two award-winning books, The ADHD Effect on Marriage and The Couple's Guide to Thriving with ADHD. And yeah, we dive into how to know if you have ADHD and, and you know diagnosing it um, and then how to navigate that in your relationship. Yeah. And I forget what the percentage of adults that are undiagnosed. It's, 80%. It's 80%. Yeah. So you may be listening to the, to this episode and not uh, you or your partner not be diagnosed with adult ADHD, but maybe after listening, it might uh, bring some awareness to some of the traits that you or your partner are portraying and uh, might bring some resolution, hopefully. Yeah. And again, there is no specific uh, person that, that would benefit from listening to this podcast. Right. Certainly if you have ADHD or your partner does, but n- neither Sarah or I have been officially diagnosed. I mean, I'm, I, I exhibit some of the traits, but um, <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll need to look into that more. But uh, there was a lot of valuable things that we can apply to our relationship. And we hope that you guys find it useful as well. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Melissa. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for having me on. Melissa, we like to start our show with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Well, I have a specific group that I work with, which is adults impacted by ADHD and their partners. And uh, the reason I enjoy working with these couples so much is that um, this area is literally life-changing. Learning about how ADHD impacts relationships uh, gives you the, starts to give you the tools and the knowledge to turn things around. So a lot of these couples are struggling and and I get the great privilege of being able to uh, to help them repair their relationships and keep their families intact. It's certainly a great thing to be able to do. And today's topic, as you alluded to, is one that we've never discussed on the show, and that is how ADHD can affect your marriage or relationship. And certainly the effects uh, can be profound. So why don't we start by talking about how to determine if we, if personally or your partner might have ADHD, because it's been shown, you know, through your article, I found out that 80% of adult cases of ADHD go undiagnosed. So how can someone recognize the signs and then, and then address or even know if they have it? Well, so uh, that's a great question. Um, ADHD, the number one symptom of adult ADHD, unlike with kids, um, is uh, uh, distractibility. And it's not sort of minor distractibility. It is chronic distractibility where um, your partner or you intend to do something, but you never get around to it. Uh, Or you're in the middle of a conversation, you get distracted, you go off elsewhere. Your mind is very energetic 
Um, even if you are just uh, in the sort of distractible mode, your mind is still going a lot. It's very sort of disorganized. Um, the classic symptoms include um, chronic procrastination and inability to finish or start tasks, um, poor memory issues, uh, and then, of course, this distractibility, as well as a lot of emotional volatility. Uh, so uh, the uh, moving like in a fast uh, from zero to 60 very quickly um, in terms of anger or emotions is also associated with ADHD. There are a lot of other things. So it's, it's really, if you see somebody who's really struggling and you can't figure out why they're struggling, uh, lots of times it has to do with ADHD. So if someone's like listening to this and they're like, yeah, I, I feel like I exhibit some of those things. I mean, I personally... Uh, can be emotionally volatile, but I don't particularly think I have ADHD. So in the end, uh, we need to get professionally diagnosed, right? From like a psychiatrist. And that would be ultimately. And and people say, oh, ADHD is not real because everybody gets distracted or everybody forgets stuff or whatever. Um, And it's it's an issue of how distracted and, and how forgetful you are, and et cetera. About 5 to 8% of the adult population has ADHD. So that means most people don't have it. Um, but, uh, if you know, people who've felt very uh, different all their lives or who struggled in school or sometimes didn't struggle in school, the surprising people are the people who are very, very successful in one realm, like at work or something like that, and then really struggle at home. And it's because home is so disorganized. It's so chaotic. Lots of times it's, there's not a set structure, um, you know, and, and that's a bad uh, environment for people who have ADHD. So you do want to go get an evaluation. The other reason to get an evaluation is because there are a lot of other coexisting conditions that go along with ADHD. Um, 80% of people who have ADHD will also have one other, at least one other diagnosable mental health issue like depression or anxiety or um, uh, alcohol or drug abuse. They have, they typically have um, real, very real inhibition issues in terms of being able to stop themselves from doing something in the, you know, in the moment as it comes to them. They're very sort of in the now people. Um, and so that's worth uh, an evaluation because it's a really good news diagnosis. And if you have it, um, finding out about it is great because it opens up a lot of treatment options that will really change your life. So the last thing on the mental illness aspect, and then I want to dive into how we can deal with this in regards to our relationships, but is it a psychological condition, brain chemistry thing? Do they know um, what causes ADHD? So it's it's a complicated uh, factor, but it has to do with neurochemistry. So it has to do with low dopamine and um, serotonin issues. Um, it also, there are, they look at M- uh, fMRI imagery and they see um, a different uh, shape of parts of the brain that have to do with logical thinking and et cetera. So it, it's quite complicated, but uh, it is physiological. It's not a an issue of willpower. You can't just make yourself be less distracted. That's not the way ADHD works. It is very much a physiological thing. I do have one more question about that. Mm-hmm. How how does somebody improve or get better? Or what are the um, treatments for ADHD? Well, so there are a, a very large number of treatments, actually, which is um, which is great. Um, when I talk about treatment with folks, I talk about it across sort of three legs. There's a, a leg of physiological treatments that change the chemistry of the brain. And that includes medication, but it also includes exercise and um, mindfulness and some other uh, sleep, things that change the way the brain functions physically. Then there's another leg of behavioral training. So, for example, if you're really distractible, uh, then things that, that make you less distracted behaviorally, like... Um, either putting, you know, using music to calm your brain, which is a common ADHD strategy, uh, or being in a quiet place uh, so that things are less intrusive or wearing headphones or something like that or making lists. Those kinds of behavioral changes uh, are important. And, and you have to do all of those different things and you end up managing it better. Then for couples, there's a third leg 
which is your interactions with other people. There are very specific kinds of of uh, tricks you can use to interact uh, more effectively uh, with other people, remember things better, or cue each other if something's going on that's a little bit off or that you're distracted or something like that. So, so the treatment um, is uh, is really a management strategy. If you stop stop the treatment, the ADHD comes back because it's physiologically part of you. Um, and so it's, I shouldn't say it comes back. You always have it, but you either manage it or you don't. But the good news is the vast majority of adults who have ADHD can very effectively manage ADHD if they know they have it. That's why the diagnosis is so important. Well, let's dive into the tricks to help our partner or if someone listening is identifying or has been diagnosed as having ADHD. Obviously, emotional volatility, procrastination, all of these things can put a stress on the individual. It's going to be hard, you know, going through life that way. But on your partner, if they don't have ADHD and you guys are trying to have a better relationship, or certainly if both of you are exhibiting um, these symptoms of someone or you know, the diagnosed with ADHD. So what are some of the major things that, that can cause problems and how can we address them? Well, I, you know, this is, for me, this is the really exciting part. <laughs> um, so uh, the, uh, so the, one of the things that's important is to properly interpret uh, the symptoms and where they're coming from. So we have a tendency to misinterpret ADHD symptoms if we don't know they're there. I'll give you a, a very specific example. If your partner is chronically distracted, it means they're not probably paying a whole lot of attention to you specifically. They're distracted by everything, not just you. It could be a dog barking. It could be something on the computer, whatever. Um, and so you start to feel, uh, the other partner starts to feel kind of lonely or um, unloved, essentially. And so you interpret it, this lack of attention, as being unloved, and your partner's something wrong. And you'll go to your partner, and the partner will say, no, of course I love you. What are you talking about? Um, not realizing that there's this chronic distraction going on. And um, so if you know about the ADHD, um, instead of saying, gee, what's wrong? Why don't you love me? You can create one of these interactions where you say, gee, you've been particularly distracted this week. Let's go out on a date. And then you end up paying more attention to each other and sort of filling up that part of your love bank, if you want to call it that. Uh, so that's a very simple but uh, meaningful, you know, one one path leads you down to anger and um, all sorts of problems and feeling miserable. And the other path leads you to reconnection. It's a very simple change just because you actually know what's going on. The distractibility can be addressed. Um, so, so getting to know the symptoms and being able to properly interpret when something is a symptom versus an indication of difficulty or trouble is really powerful. Um, so that's one. Uh, and, and another uh, that's really a huge issue for these couples is what I call um, parent-child dynamics, where uh, usually a non-ADHD partner or an, a more organized other ADHD partner um, starts to take on a lot of the responsibilities in the relationship because the ADHD partner is so disorganized. They're having trouble completing things. They promise. My husband used to do this. He has ADHD. That's just how I got into this. Uh, and uh, he would absolutely say, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll do that. No problem. And then he would go off and he'd forget about it or something else would, would grab his attention and it would sort of get put on the back burner and uh, and it would never get done. And over time, I just started to say, you know, it's easier if I just do this stuff myself. So I took on a lot more stuff. Um, but then what ends up happening over the long run is I felt very resentful, which is classic. Um, and I got angry that he wasn't helping out more and he felt very diminished because he wasn't really engaged in doing anything, and, and, and I was sort of beating him up all the time. Um, and so that becomes a horrible dynamic um, in the relationship. It's a very uneven status and all sorts of reasons it's horrible. It's very unsexy. It really interferes with the connection and romance, and et cetera. Um, and once you know about it, 
then you can learn how to fight back against that and make sure it's not going on and that the one partner isn't overperforming while the other is underperforming. Um, and ADHD treatment across all those legs is the path for the ADHD partner to be able to, to show up more regularly in the relationship, be there more regularly, be more responsive, follow through on the things that they are supposed to follow through on and promise that they are going to. So, um, so those are, those are two of the areas where a huge amount of progress can be made for these couples. For your husband, was he already diagnosed with adult ADHD or was this something that you guys found out together? He was not. And this is the classic way that it works. Since there are so many adults who don't know they have ADHD, um, the typical pattern is um, exactly what we went through, which is a child. It's highly hereditary. So a child gets diagnosed with ADHD. If you have a child with ADHD, chances are quite good that one or both parents has ADHD as well. It's not always the case, but often. Uh, so that's what happened with us. Our daughter got diagnosed, much to our surprise, actually, in third grade. Uh, and then a few years after that, I finally said to her doctor, you know, is there any chance that my husband has this as well? And she's like, well, yeah, of course he does. And I was like, well, okay, so why didn't you tell me that before? So we, we found out about it. And, and actually, the reason I got into this is because there wasn't very much available at that time um, to, uh, that was the mid-2000s, uh, to help um, figure this out. So we went through this whole process of sort of learning about it. And then when we came out the other end and our relationship was much better, I said, huh, I bet other people would <laughs> would benefit from this information. And I started to blog about it and then it just sort of snowballed. So I have a question in regards to the illness um, that just came to mind when we talked about distractibility. Can someone have, obviously there can be extreme and mild cases of ADHD. Is there a, like a, we're talking like nature versus nurture. Is there a nurture component of like technology and phones encouraging that distractibility? Because I'm just thinking we just had family down last week and all the family was together. And amongst the family, some were, I don't think have ADHD, but just constantly distracted by their phone as like a compulsion. Is that somewhere on the spectrum? Um, because that seems like something that would be, if, if adult onset, you know, ADHD is five to 8%, that's one thing, but I feel like the number of adults distracted by technology, um, it's going to be much higher than that. And, and where does that fit in? Because I think some of these solutions can apply to situations like that as well. Yeah. So there's actually a conversation about whether or not there is adult onset ADHD in the medical community. It's sort of a hot topic. It's, it's unclear <laughs> whether there's adult. They think there probably is, but it's not yet. Uh, been officially recognized as something by the um, psychiatric community in general. But, uh, but the uh, issue of technology uh, is a big one, not because it makes you have ADHD. It doesn't, as far as we know. Uh, ADHD is about the brain chemistry. Um, but as you think about behavioral ways to deal with the world, um, uh, the the brain works in a way where you, you know, it's the use it or lose it uh, sort of thing that goes on with the brain. So if we're not using our deep thinking or our slow thinking, as Daniel Kahneman calls it, uh, parts of our brain where we're really thinking uh, uh, in depth and very broadly also about something, but we're just responding to quick things that come at us, which is what the phone is, um, then we lose uh, some of our capabilities in that area. So the phone the phone, and, the, and quick uh, like video games and things like that give you squirts of dopamine. So part of the reason that some people get so addicted to these things, which they do, um, is, um, is that there's actually a chemical component in the brain uh, in terms of responding to what the phone is coming at you. It's in that dopamine uh, hits the reward center, so the brain. So, so it's actually, um, you know, it's pretty addictive. 
Uh, and uh, it, it is, it's hard. It's very, I mean, there's now a fair amount of conversation going on about whether or not the phone is something that, and that our internet habits uh, are making us more lonely. And if that isn't a problem for, for example, teenagers, and, uh, et cetera. So uh, a lot of questions around that. But it doesn't cause ADHD. But a person who has ADHD um, often will have uh, some uh, they're very into the reward and the dopamine squirts and stuff because they're low on dopamine. Uh, and so there are some, some issues with uh, potential for addiction, uh, both with uh, electronics and also with um, substance abuse and things like that. I don't know if that answers your question well enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Basically, the jury is still out, but it is uh, it would not be surprising at all if if the technology is developing, you know, a brain chemistry that is similar to ADHD, or even if it's a certain small percentage, you know, that of maybe you're not full-blown ADHD, but because of this compulsive behavior and distractibility that it, it, it might lead to something similar. Um, and we talk about yeah, it. So, yeah. And, and I, sorry to interrupt you. That, uh, Ned Hallowell uh, actually wrote a book um, called Crazy Busy on what he calls um, environmentally induced ADHD. Um, and his observation, he's a top ADHD uh, doctor, his observation is that when the brain is overwhelmed with information or um, input, uh, that it starts to develop symptoms that are similar to ADHD. They are not ADHD and they don't, they won't ever be ADHD, but the symptoms are similar. You get you get uh, less ability to think clearly. You forget things, uh, trouble planning, things like that. So it isn't that it's developing ADHD, but it but it does mimic it. To your point, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to revisit when you talked about distractibility and addressing that with your partner. We kind of skipped over it, but the the importance of how you make that communication and we talk about it on the show a lot and and it's like it's so elementary but it's not necessarily what you say it's how you say it and and when we say to our partner and I think you said like hey you seem like you've been distracted what's on your mind or you know rather than a blaming statement of you're you're so distracted lately and you're not paying attention to me the difference in those two statements doesn't seem like a lot, but it is so important that you're addressing that in a productive way that's not in a blaming way towards your partner. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the benefits of knowing about the ADHD is that you can make it um, uh, a neutral topic. So when you don't know about the ADHD, the symptoms are not at all neutral. They feel very uh, malevolent, actually, uh, in, their, in the relationship. They're, they're very painful for both partners to, uh, to, to endure. When you do know about it and you're managing it, et cetera, then uh, you can go to your partner and say, hey, you know, I'm seeing this pattern of, of increased distractibility and I miss you. I want to spend some time, you know, can we spend some time together? Can we go out on that date? And and it's just a part of like, okay, yeah, absolutely, I get distracted, no problem. Let's go out on that date. That would be fun. Um, and it isn't um, it isn't a criticism. I mean, the issue is, um, are you critiquing your partner? If you don't know about the ADHD, you're likely to say, why don't you ever pay any attention to me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> that kind of thing, and that's horrible. Yeah, we can have more empathy, you know, naturally. Yes, absolutely, and. And it won't feel like it's it's not an attack when it's just an observation that is neutral. In it, it, it's not neutral. If you feel lonely and your partner isn't play, paying any attention to you and doesn't understand that he or she should pay more. I mean, when I used to say to my husband, "I feel really lonely," or "I feel I'm feeling as if you don't, you know, you're, you don't really love me. What's wrong?" He would say, "He would just say, of course I love you.' Well, what do you mean? He had no idea. So." Knowing about ADHD puts it into context. I feel lonely because you are naturally a distractible person, and it's just the distractibility is getting the upper hand right now. Let's go look into each other's eyes across you know, a nice glass of wine at a restaurant and, and have a nice evening 
and and refocus on each other a bit. It's just a redirecting um, in a very positive way. So saying it the right way is critically important. And people with ADHD have grown up with people criticizing them their, all their lives. You, you get the classic comments in school, things like, if you would only try harder, you would do so well. <laughs> uh, or, uh, why did you do it that way? Uh, you get a lot of those sort of critiques um, all through your life when you have ADHD because people with ADHD do do things differently to compensate for their symptoms. Um, particularly when they don't know they have them. And, uh, and so they're quite sensitive, and, and many of them actually harbor feelings of shame about not being able to follow through um, the way that they had promised or the, doing things the way that people expect them to do. They sort of think, what's wrong with me? Um, and so they're quite sensitive when you go to them and say, you know, here's something that's wrong with you, they get very expensive. And that's part of the treatment is learning how, how to both Talk to a person who has ADHD in a loving way that's empathetic and really understanding it, but also learning how to be non-defensive when somebody's talking about those things with you that you love. What would be the best way to address the situation when the partner with the adult ADHD is emotionally volatile? But first, I want to play a song I had written for Chase. I saw you saunter by and my mission was clear. That is such a cool song, and if I had a way to play it in my car here in Costa Rica, I would jam to it every day. <laughs> Fortunately, it's an 85 Land Cruiser, so audio's not working, but I do enjoy <laughs> listening to it, and it's just, it's awesome. It's such a great gift, even though I knew Sarah was, was giving it to me, it, it's so thoughtful, and the, the lyrics are are thoughtful and amazing, and the song sounds awesome. And the process was super easy to make this song for Chase. I told them the story, the love story that I wanted to tell. And I picked the genre and the vocals and Songfinch had it ready in seven days. So it was by far probably the easiest gift and the most thoughtful gift. And they have songs starting at $99. So if you're looking for the perfect gift to give your loved one or a family member this holiday season, Songfinch is the place you need to go check out. Yeah, it does take a few days. So don't wait until <laughs> the Christmas Eve. Do it or, at least eight days. Or the first before. day of Hanukkah. Or if you started on the first day of Hanukkah, it might be ready by the last day of Hanukkah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, but don't do that, okay? Um, get on it now. Take advantage of this amazing, unique gift and give the gift of a Songfinch song. And you can use the special offer that they are offering our listeners $20 off by visiting songfinch.com and entering the promo code I do. That's songfinch.com and enter the promo code I do. Um, so the best way to, so it depends on what kind of anger is going on. So there is a type of anger called flooding. Um, and flooding is when you're just completely emotionally out of control. That's the sort of rage uh, that, that people um, experience where they're, you know, wanting, they just, they're, you know, seeing red essentially. Um, there is the only way to address that um, over the long term, if that happens a lot, is actually to get in front of it, to be, to become more mindfully aware of what your body feels like before you get into that stage 
and then create some kind of a verbal cue or some sort of cue where you where you move apart from each other before you get into it. Um, so that's one of those leg three treatment strategies, those interactive strategies that couples can develop um, to make their lives better. Um, if you're in a situation where somebody is feeling... Um, uh, you know, if there's a lot of anger or defensiveness or whatever, um, John Gottman has a lot of really good information about um, how to address those um, in terms of, of how to repair um, and, and how to de-escalate, looking somebody in the eye, using a calm tone of voice, um, not trying not to engage, which is very difficult to do. If somebody is angry with you, you're gut responses to be angry back uh, or maybe to you're under so much uh, attack that you cry or something like that. But um, so there are a whole series of strategies like um, um, trying to find common ground in what you're talking about. Well, we disagree about this, but actually we agree that we both agree that we want the best for our kids and, and we're just trying, you know, we have different opinions about how to get there. Um, so those kinds of statements are, are very helpful. Um, so, so a lot of different, I, when I, I have a seminar that I teach, uh, uh, by phone actually for couples and I spend um, a good amount of time talking about strategies for how do you uh, get out of angry situations, how do you repair, um, how do you learn more about what's going on for your partner because both partners, they're both very different usually and the, the issue then is how do you understand each other better so you can both be more empathetic. I love the suggestion of uh finding common ground because recently Sarah and I have, you know, we, we live out of the country. Our daughter is uh, getting ready to start school and there's just a lot of kind of big life decisions being made. And we sometimes don't always agree exactly on the, the course forward, but I think I've found and, and Sarah might uh, disagree, but she can chime <laughs> in, but that when we, find something like, well, we both want to do what's best for our daughter. How do we get there? We, we, we might disagree on exactly the, the means by which we're going to get there, but we both agree that we want what's best for her. And that can, for me, make me put my guard down a bit and it becomes less of an argument and more of problem solving. Like, how do we get to that common ground? It's a, really valuable framework that I found to be able to have a discussion with Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it gives you perspective, right? Uh, that there's a bigger thing here than, than whether or not you do X, Y, Z action. Um, but that, the that the, you know, best for your daughter is, is common ground. Yeah. It's, there are a lot of different sort of decision-making tools you can use. I think the thing that surprises couples is that the research suggests, that about 70% of what you disagree with or disagree about now, um, you will continue to disagree about um, 10 years from now. Uh, it has to do with how you were, how different you are, how you approach things differently. For, for my folks, the people who have ADHD are wired differently in their brain, and so they think quite differently. Uh, they, the, the act of how they sort through problems is quite different uh, for most of them. And, um, and so they're, they're all, these things don't go away. Um, so you really are, to your point, looking for the, the common ground so that you can, you can find the best negotiated solution. Uh, it's not about convincing your partner to, to do it your way most of the time, and that's not going to work out very well. Um, so it's really about what's the negotiated ground and how do you give so that each person feels that overall um, they're heard. It's such an important perspective uh, to, to take or, or just to try to gain perspective. And one thing I want to mention before we wrap up here is you talked about understanding that your partner that ha has been diagnosed with ADHD and using that as a, as a tool to develop empathy. But we've talked about it in the past, but I think if we take that position regardless, you know, if uh, some of our listeners, a lot of our listeners out there 
um, if we go by the percentages anywhere between 92 and 95% don't have ADHD that are listening to this. But if you can take the perspective of that your partner is who they are through the unique set of genetics and nurturing and childhood that they've gone through in that they're not doing it, not thinking of it as a mental illness, like, you know, ADHD, but in a sense, all of our personalities and the way we act are, I'm not trying to equate it to ADHD, but there, there's a symptom of being a human. And just like ADHD is a certain way we go through the world, uh, just who you are. Let's call call it chaseism or you know the chase disease for me. And if if the my partner can take that perspective of they are who they are and and they don't have bad intentions. They're they're trying to do the best, and we're going to navigate this together. Uh, it's just a broader perspective to take. I hope that makes sense, <laughs> what I'm saying, but I, it was well, kind of no, a long way. Yeah. You know, I try to talk to people about um, allowing each person's way of, way of being in the world. I do a lot of education about um, different ways of being in the world because these couples are often so different. And it's it's not, it's an empathy for both of them, right? Um, and my husband loves, my husband has a very agile and distractible mind. He goes from thing to thing to thing to thing very quickly. And he thinks of my mind, which is quite linear, as fairly pedantic, um, you know, when he's thinking about it negatively. Uh, And I wouldn't disagree with him. I don't mind that. That's what I'm used to, and I like it. But we do things very, very differently. So just learning who your partner is um, and and how they are. I think of ADHD really as just a different way of being in the world. Um, That is... um, it's just a different way of interacting with the world around you. Uh, that doesn't happen to fit very well into our sort of highly linear, highly efficient uh, um, world. Uh, but uh, sometimes, and, and lots of times, uh, it fits really well, like entrepreneurially, et cetera. So um, it's, it's all about um, learning who your partner is and respecting that. Um, and there, I, you know, I teach... Uh, uh, couples how to do um, how to have conversations that are non-aggressive and uh, in their speaking when whoever's speaking and non-defensive in their listening um, because you need to be open to your partner thinking completely differently from you about something and instead of going wow that sounds weird to me that's wrong think of like well how did, how did that person get there and 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 what is it about that that's kind of intriguing you know, and ask questions and et cetera. So um, it's, it's your skill. You're exactly right. That skill of being able to um, appreciate and adore your partner's way of being, even if it challenges you uh, in terms of whether it lines up directly with yours um, is, uh, is critical. And I really love how you just mentioned that it's so important to respect your partner because it's so easy to want to try and change your partner or to make them react differently or talk differently. But at the end of the day, like you said, we're we're all just so different and learning to respect your partner and accept them for who they are is, uh, I think, one valuable tool that we can all bring into the relationship. Yeah, I you know, it's interesting. I run up against this issue of of, you know, accepting me for who I am a lot. And um the I think what I challenge partners to do is bring their best selves to the relationship. When somebody has ADHD, if the ADHD is unmanaged, um many times they're actually uh not um actually behaving. They're a good person behaving in ways that don't um aren't good relationship patterns like, um, you know, beating up, uh, not beating up physically, but, um, getting really angry on little things that don't matter at all, um, just because they're very volatile or, um, or saying they're going to do something and then not doing it repeatedly over and over and over. Um, so you have to, I think they accept your partner for who they are is a little bit tricky, um, with the ADHD, um, because, uh, 
there is a sort of a bottom line in a relationship um, for it to be, um, for you to be a good partner. If you, cons- are, I used to call my husband consistently inconsistent. Um, and I said it with a smile after I got used to the concept. At first, it wasn't a smile at all. Um, if you um, constantly say, yes, of course, I'll do that by Tuesday, and then you don't do it for a year, uh, which is not that uncommon in ADHD um, relationships, uh, the tr- you can't have a trusting relationship. So there is a bottom line where there's a responsibility for that partner to be um, a good enough partner. It, there is not all gray. Uh, but uh, so you, I think you have to put yourself in the position where you are your best self. You're contributing your best self to your relationship which for people who have ADHD that is in their way means managing the ADHD often. Um, but then accepting beyond that, you know, that, that, that there is, um, I am my best self now. I've taken responsibility for being able to follow through being trustworthy, being, you know, being loving and affectionate, attending to you, um, not just always being distracted. Um, and, and then I think that that's, you know, that's not only acceptance, but appreciation for all that effort. Well, Melissa, you have given us and our listeners a lot of great things to think about. And I think that if someone out there is listening who themselves or their partner has ADHD, obviously there's a lot to apply, but even if they don't identify, if either of them don't identify as having the mental illness, then uh, there's some valuable things that we can apply to our relationships. So why don't we finish up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, thank you for letting me uh, come on to your show. I appreciate it. I can be found at uh, www.adhdmarriage.com, and I have a, a lot of resources there for people who are interested in this topic, want to know more about what ADHD is all about and, and how to get around and, and uh, books and seminars and, and blog posts and a forum and all sorts of stuff. So I'm, And there's also a contact form, and feel free um, to send me a note if you want to. Excellent. We'll have your uh, website on our show notes page at idopodcast.com and our listeners know to go there to check out all the great resources and a few of the books that you mentioned today and uh, the link to your seminar and uh, have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Well, thank you. You have a great day too. Hi guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook love tribe fam and you'll find us right there and if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course spark my relationship we hope you guys check it out we have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners so you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week
To a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.